Today on The Topping Show, Glenn Beck is deplatformed by Apple only to be partially restored after some pushback. Disney has a meeting to put out the fire that is their woke actress who is lambasting the original production of Snow White and critiquing the current film even more. Walmart is crushing Target when it comes to sales after Pride Month. Vivek Ramaswamy is beating DeSantis in the latest poll and Trump is cheering him on. The White House press secretary is exposed for tweeting for Biden. The European Union is passing laws to protect kids from tech. EV startup is briefly worth more than General Motors. Chick-fil-A is the most successful restaurant by sales. Trader Joe's cancels their self-checkout. And the Ford CEO, he, he does admit that there's some limitations with their F-150 Lightning. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have an EV startup briefly worth more than one of the most well-known and legacy automotive companies in the planet. Over 100 years, General Motors has been around, and they're briefly worth more than them. Though, General Motors has subsequently gone bankrupt multiple times, but they're still a legacy automotive company. Now, this newer company is called VinFast, which I would say B-plus for marketing is kind of an interesting, cool name in terms of every car has a VIN number. It's basically, a, if you're not an automotive, if you're not a gearhead or if you don't have a car yet, it's the, basically a serial number for the vehicle, vehicle identification number, the VIN number is permanently affixed to the vehicle. Now, VinFast is a Vietnam-based EV company founded in 2017 by one of the most successful billionaires in the country. And it looks like they're, they might be coming onto something. Now, a lot of people speculate, so for a brief moment, their stock upticked and is worth more than all, all those arm love companies. And I, I held off a couple hours or more accurately, a couple days before reporting on it, just because I saw a lot of parallels between other automotive companies, like yeah, Nikola, which, Turned out to be a BS vaporware company founded by Trevor, what was it, Trevor Milton? And subsequently, Nikola, which again, they're ripping off Tesla in terms of the name and the branding. The, the original genius's name was Nikola Tesla. Now, Nikola was an EV semi truck company, or rather, they were pretending to be a hydrogen powered semi truck company. And they claimed to have a secret magical way to more efficiently manufacture, capture, transport, and utilize hydrogen, which right now, that's one of the things prohibiting the mass adoption of that technology for the automotive industry, is the manufacturer to process it and actually store it and facilitate the transportation of it. But they claim to have a new material and their stock, again, they beat General Motors in the stock market for a couple days. They were one of the most valuable automotive companies on the planet, Nikola. And of course it turned out to be vaporware because they were making it all up and now they're barely alive with actually just having a recall last week for, as they pivot to EV. So it, I waited a couple days and but this new company, VinFast, their stops, their stock, uh, yeah, they subsequently crashed to by 58.66%. That was last Friday. It actually closed around $15.32 per share. Which again, I mean, price per share, that's not, you know, it's not zero. So they're not going out of business. But they're a very fast company in terms of they started in 2017 during the peak COVID year or right before COVID. And they only just now got their, their vehicle out. And it's an EV SUV. A lot of the reviewers online are critiquing it, having a lot of issues with it. And I think that's one of the reasons they subsequently dropped in value. It's also incredibly competitive to get a, any automotive company off the ground these days. There's a lot of a lot of the traditional legacy companies are starting to pivot towards EV technologies. 
because the consumers apparently want disposable vehicles. Well, I only partially kid. There are a lot of government mandates going into this as well. But it's interesting to see this startup, which again, for a day or two, seemed like it was going to be worth more than Tesla even maybe, but no, not really. It's one of those things where it comes to IPOs and companies with their stock fluctuations, you really want to look at the big picture. Some might even argue even quarterly results aren't indicative of a long-term effect of the company, but I digress. It'll be interesting to see what happens to VinFast from here. Other interesting business news, you have Chick-fil-A being the most valuable, successful restaurant by sales. Now, it looks like, and I'm squinting at my notes a little bit here, it's 2,837 restaurants nationwide had an average sales of $7 million for each of those stores. And that it was over, what is it, $18 billion altogether, which that is astronomically successful. I can't imagine that much money for chicken, but I was going to say it's paying off for them. And in terms of, you know, what's the competition like? Keep in mind, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Most of these other restaurants, they're open all week long, and they're still losing to Chick-fil-A, which is even more impressive to me. Now, the top five, you had Chick-fil-A coming in at number one, and this was average gross per sale, or uh, gross per store. That was at $6.7 million per year. You had Raising Cane's, a great Texas-based company. They're at $5.4 million per store, per store per year average. Subsequently, you had Shake Shack at $3.8 million, Whataburger at $3.7 million, and then McDonald's at $3.6 million. So they're leading by a good way. And you also might notice, yeah, Subway is no way in hell doing it. They're not getting on the list anytime soon. The last report had Subway, Subway coming in about 500000 per year. Again, that's revenue. So depending on the industry and the profit margins, those stores are barely staying alive these days. But it is fascinating to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you think Chick-fil-A is just going to keep growing exponentially? One of the biggest differentiators between them and the competition is they're still privately held and they're not overexpanding. You see, a lot of the restaurants, the industry trend is you build it, then you go with an IPO, you go public, you know, get, become publicly traded, and you take that cash infusion and you open up a bunch of stores at once. Chick-fil-A has been much, much slower in terms of the number of stores that they're opening, and it's much more organic growth, which I would say is a pretty good, I would say in most cases, is usually a more successful track pattern. It takes a lot more patience because, of course, you're going to take a lot more time to build up that business. But I think long-term, it's probably a good metaphor. I think Chick-fil-A is going to be, those chickens are going to be, I was going to say coming to roost, but probably not the best metaphor since they kill the chickens to eat them, which are delicious. But overall, I think they're going to be doing pretty good here and for the foreseeable future. But I say time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Trader Joe's saying they're canceling their plans for any self-checkouts. Now, which is perhaps the antithesis of every other store as we are increasingly relying on robots automation to increase the customer experience and get them out as soon as possible. And... And it's also a great way to cut down costs as well. So there's a lot of benefits. Most grocery stores that I can think of do have either exclusively self-checkout or they have an option for self-checkout. Now, this actually comes from the company's CEO, John Ballstone, during a podcast they were talking about, you know, industry trends and where he's going to do from here. And when talking about self-checkout, he said, quote, we believe in people and we're not trying to get rid of our new crew members for efficiency's sake, unquote. And it's also probably a good industry trend to note. 85% when polled, we had a poll of 1,000 people in 2021, or 1,000 consumers, and they said 85% said self-checkout at the stores was generally faster, while two and three people, or 67%, said they've experienced a self-checkout fail. Well, that actually sounds pretty low. I mean, I think everyone's had it. I'm actually surprised it's not close to the 90% of people have had issues with self-checkout. 
I swear, when I do it, there's at least one or two barcodes that don't scan right, I would say on average, or there's something that doesn't weigh properly. It seems like there's always something, but at the end of the day, it's still faster and more efficient than dealing with someone else just because, well, I like, to, I like to go pretty quick, so I am very technical when I go to the store. I know where I'm going, what I'm buying, when I'm checking out, you know, scan, 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 go, go, go. I, usually, I actually should probably end up timing myself, see if I can beat that, just because I like to be efficient and get out there as soon as possible. So, it'll be interesting to see Trader Joe's is much more, I, I usually, my reference point when it comes to grocery shopping is more utilitarian, more something like Walmart. Now, Trader Joe's is much more, you know, pinky high, hodgepodge, fancy folks. A lot of hybrids and Priuses in, uh, in their parking lots, let's just say that much. So, perhaps those people who have a little more income and time in their hands, maybe, they just appreciate the human interaction. And to them, they might argue Trader Joe's is an experience. Because at the end of the day, Trader Joe's is not a necessity. It's a luxury you don't need. All these stores sell food. All of them have a lot of the same core ingredients. So it's one of those things where, well, it'll be interesting to see with this economic turmoil, will Trader Joe's suffer as maybe more, more, more and more Americans start to realize the differences between need and want. Because again, Trader Joe's is a want to have. Remember when I was a kid, it was a treat to go there every once in a while. And they used to have like a, a juice fountain for the kids like years ago. Shoot, that must have been the yeah, mid-90s? It was quite a lifetime ago or so it seems. And to my family, it's a special occasion because, yeah, it does cost a little bit more. And if we had a relative come in to visit, we'd probably, I think we'd get some extra breads or some, where, where are they supposed to sell there? But again, it's, it's one of those things where it's really not a, not a need. It's a want. It's a luxury. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you think Trader Joe's going to do better this year? Or do you think they're going to start contracting and their sales might go down the next couple of years as we have all this uncertainty in the market? It'll be interesting to see, but time shall tell. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Glenn Beck being deplatformed by Apple instantaneously without warning. And then they put back some of the material. Now, this also goes to show how important it is to build independent media platforms. That's why he's the founder of Blaze Media, which is a Texas-based media company. And they do have a direct paid subscription program where it's a monthly subscription where you, you know subscribe to them. They get access to their, I was about to say, not just their intellectual property of all the spoke all the hosts that they have, but also it's their internal platform or their internal cloud, their infrastructure that you access. Whereas if you go to Apple, that's on Apple servers, they control that marketplace. Blaze has their own independent marketplace, I guess is the vernacular I was looking for. So if you want to really support a lot of these independent creators, that's the best way to support them is contributing directly to the companies so they can build out that ecosystem and they can't be threatened like this. Now, interestingly enough, this story went Thankfully, it went viral on X, or also known as Twitter, where people started to vo voice their concerns of Apple, saying, why did you pull this stuff down? Now, Apple claims is because, they took, again, you look at all the episodes, there's 3,000 plus episodes, and Apple said that they took it down because of a uh, trademark dispute, which, on its surface, almost sounds believable, but definitely doesn't, actually, because, again, you wouldn't take down over 3,000 episodes for, trade dis uh, for a uh, trademark dispute. Now, Glenn Beck, during a rebuttal um, a couple hours ago, he actually, or a, a day ago, he had a report where he said there was one instance of a trademark dispute for, I believe, one specific episode, but that was week, weeks prior to this deplatforming. So it's fascinating to see that that probably isn't the real reason, but I think we're going to see more and more of this tech censorship. It just, just so happens he's more of the conservative mindset. Can't help but notice this never happens to people who are ideologically on the left side of the political aisle, or even so much maybe in the middle. But if you're, it seems like almost a guarantee if you're in, at all right wing, even in the one, even in one category, if you believe in one thing that they do, 
it, the odds of you getting deplatformed are just so high, it's almost a guarantee. Now, it should be noted that Apple restored some of the episodes. They restored apparently 1,915 of his episodes, but Glenn has said vocally he has over 3,000 episodes. So, I can't think of a legitimate reason why Apple is doing this. And maybe we'll get some real answers in the next couple of days. But as of right now, it's, as far as I can tell, it just seems like traditional, straight-up, disgusting, morally vacuous censorship. Which, I mean, coming from Apple, shouldn't be too surprised. Or, I was going to say, shouldn't, shouldn't be too disappointed because your expectations for, you know, their stance on freedom of speech. And it should be pretty, the bar should be pretty low as is. But... I don't know. We'll see what comes from Apple. Maybe they'll have a change of heart. Time shall tell. Other interesting culture news. You have a California mom fired for trying to protect her kids. She Now, she, this woman who is actually an employee of a real estate company called Compass, which perhaps there's a metaphor in and of itself. There's some morally, the company is so morally vacuous, their compass is skewed, or certainly pointing the wrong direction. I say this because this mom, all she did was she went to a school board meeting and voiced her concerns about sexual sexual themes in public schools at inappropriate age levels. And it'll be interesting to play a little clip here. And of course, the internet, as soon as she went in front of the school board, the internet hunted her down and basically they found out who her employer was and pressured the employer saying, if you don't, you know, if you don't, if you don't fire this person, we're going to complain to our newsletter of 1100 people. And unfortunately the company, instead of sticking up for the employee and freedom of speech, they acquiesced to the mob. So this is a short summary of the of the of the gal Janet, and then inside there we also have the video of her interacting with the school board. The open-minded is this a town that values free speech? If you disagree with, it should be noted I believe this is in California, so the answer would be no, not usually no. Someone would you contact their employer and demand they be fired? Here is my story. I was enjoying life in this beautiful small town with a happy family and a successful career. And as a mom of three, I'm an advocate for my children, so I pay attention to what they are teaching in the schools. Did you know the Benicia Unified School District just approved new sexual education curriculum? On April 20th, I spoke at the school board meeting to say I disagreed with several items. How dare she? As we're told, the schools know best. It's the teacher's children is what the government officials tell us. ...in the new lesson plans. You can hear what I said in the public video. It's also kind of disappointing when you see all these videos when citizens are bringing up their concerns. The room of bureaucrats or the, um, the school boards, all those folks, all the officials are there because they get paid to be there, so of course, but or the volunteers, but... The whole room is usually empty because I suspect most parents don't realize what on earth is going on. So that's the upside of thanks to technology. People are starting to see the, this come more and more to the light. And of course, as wise man once said, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Provided by the school district on their YouTube channel. Within days, letters were written to the Benicia Herald, the Vallejo Times Herald, and my company's corporate headquarters saying I was anti-equity, anti-trans, anti-black, anti-choice, and a homophobe because I dared to disagree with the new school curriculum. What? Just because you don't want kids taught sexual themes, you're against all those things? It's almost like, it's almost like an indoctrination to a cult. You must believe everything unwavering. If you disagree an iota, an iota, just a little bit, then you must be against everything they stand for. 
which I think it's a lot of people in the middle, politically speaking and socially speaking, culturally speaking, where they just have certain beliefs and usually feel politically ostracized or homeless. They call me a hateful bigot, a Nazi, a daughter of Hitler, and repeatedly identified me as a Compass real estate agent. So actually, let's, I'm going to go back to this. This is the video where she actually goes to the school board. I'm Janet Robertson. I have three children in the district, elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, at the last meeting, my time to speak was cut short. Another disgusting thing you see, the rooms are usually empty. There's no reason to cut a parent's time short except to censor their ideals and their beliefs. And because the schools know, like most morally vacuous people, their ideals are so perverse, so disgusting, the only way their ideas can stand is by censoring the opposition. Our country used to be a place where I, everyone had the good belief that I might not agree with what you have to say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. And I truly hope we get back to that point, hopefully sooner than later. And there was so much to say about the new sex, sexual education curriculum. I realize the curriculum has already been approved. I also realize that Miss Rice, who I incorrectly was referring to as a doctor <laughs> last week or last month, um, explained that only three families out of 4,500 students in Benicia voiced concern about the curriculum. Our family has also been told that we can simply have our... Yes, but how many of those families really know what's in that curriculum? That's what I want to know as well. Children opt out of the sex ed classes if we have an issue with the classes. But I would like to say to you, who are entrusted to represent and make decisions for our children, and to the community that may be watching this video, that we have a big concern with what is now being taught to children as young as 10 in Benicia, such as... Children are being asked to identify their pronouns, and this is now part of the 10-year-old curriculum. What? This forces a gender discussion beyond the scope of the state requirements and complicates an already overburdened classroom environment. We are alarmed that gender identity is now being discussed in math classes. What? This you see this subject creep more and more, and I mean that in more than one way, metaphorically speaking, but what does it, you saw this in Florida, what, what does this have to do with math? Why are you injecting these political and sexual themes into mathematics? Unless these teachers, these teachers, many of them, not all, but they're almost obsessed. Just they're more activists than teachers. Takes time from core learning and does not benefit the students or our community. Teaching kids that there isn't any standard or truth and that you can believe anything you want to believe is not scientifically accurate or medically correct. For example, the notion that a girl can decide to be a boy or a boy can decide to be a girl is not true and should not be taught. The new curriculum teaches that individuals can decide if they're male or female, regardless of anatomy, does not explain that a boy cannot menstruate and a girl cannot impregnate someone. I, I was gonna say, there used to be a time when that, those are not controversial statements in the health class, but I can't imagine, how, how do you teach a health class in 2023 in some of these public schools? I guess you could just say, individuals may or may not experience x y like I would, I would love to see an actual exam or like a written test like how do they score that because yeah that's let's see here pull it up here discussion beyond the scope of the state requirements for learning and does not benefit the students or our community Teaching kids that there isn't any standard or truth and that you can believe anything you want to believe is not scientifically accurate or medically correct. For example, the notion that a girl can decide to be a boy or a boy can decide to be a girl is not true and should not be taught. 
The new curriculum teaches that individuals can decide if they're male or female, regardless of anatomy, does not explain that a boy cannot menstruate and a girl cannot impregnate someone. This is not scientific or medically accurate. Our 10-year-olds will now be taught that they can receive puberty blockers to prevent their body from going through changes that make them uncomfortable. Another lie we're consistently told is that there's no side effects. You know, there's studies on this. No, they're treating these kids as just morally vacuously just treating these children as guinea pigs because there are no long-term studies about that. And you're not using the drug as intended, which is also used to be a medical you get sued for that by going, they used to call it going off label in the medical pharmaceutical practice. All humans are uncomfortable during adolescence. To teach vulnerable children that a lifetime of dependence on medical care is a viable option is completely unacceptable and evil, frankly. The new curriculum in encourages gender confusion, not gender clarification. All parents should question how this is helpful, scientifically sound, were medically accurate. 12-year-olds will now be taught about oral and anal sex. 12-year-olds. And what? Who thinks that's appropriate? And again, I don't see, again, have you heard, have you heard any hate from her? Is, he, is she disparaging any specific group or people? Right now, it sounds like she's being very articulate and saying exactly the themes that she doesn't think is age appropriate for children. And there was a time when every American said, oh yeah, certain things are age appropriate. They used to be a thing. So I get a little emotional about this because I think that's wrong. Um, the Ed Code 51933 requires that instruction and materials should be appropriate for use of pupils with, of all races, gender, sexual orientations, and ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Teaching children about oral and anal sex violates this law since several cultures would not find this teaching appropriate. When we asked, we were told the reason the curriculum removes the idea of male and female was to be more inclusive, but no longer include or no longer identifying females as having ovaries and males as having testes is not scientific, not med medically accurate, and not true. It's nonsense. It's not a choice. People are not gender fluid, and to teach our children this is not okay. Um, we're appalled that the school district has adopted this curriculum. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody wants on where to find this information in the new curriculum. I've researched it very thoroughly. I'm happy to provide that. Thank you. Did, so she was not yelling. She wasn't insulting anyone. I don't, she wasn't saying anything that was disparaging. She was just saying, here's XYZ topics I do not think are child appropriate. And I'd like to think most adults would agree with her. I mean, mo most areas in the U.S. you don't teach sex ed until they're much older. Yet, yet, in addition to these other things, which is another thing that should be publicly debated, is what do we consider child appropriate? And give us actual materials. Don't obfuscate the truth and hide the truth and censor the truth. There are actually some teachers' unions that won't even allow you to have a copy of the curriculum that shows all this. So it makes you wonder, what are they hiding? Why are they so defensive? So that was her, that's what they, everyone is complaining about. That, that speech. That got people irate, apparently so angry that they reached out to her employer and got her fired. For, for voicing her concern for her children? How morally vacuous and how much time do you have to have on your hands to actually look into where she works, hunt that data down, and then blackmail that company into bending the knee so that they would fire her for this. So I'm gonna go back to the video she made talking about, you know, this is an employer that dropped me 
and player is a, it looks like it was one, a quite a large successful company so they could have stuck to their guns there's no reason that they had to actually fire her I'm gonna say truth be told is this the one time I'm gonna have trouble with X known formerly known as Twitter oh no it's just uh, cave to the bullies demands my internet my bad the treasurer of the Progressive Democrats of Benicia demanded that Compass provide answers about what I said at the school board meeting. This is one of the most pathetic things at all. The people who are complaining to Compass, the employer, they're claiming, oh yeah, our, our post will reach between 1,300 people and 1,500 people. Even if you go by the rule of thumb of people who have a negative interaction with the business will tell between six to seven people on average, or 10 people, that's, that's still less than 15, it's still a, couple, a handful of thousand people. So this company caved in the weakest, most possible way. And why do you, I don't know why you would ever respond to threats like that. If you don't fire this person, we're, we're going we're gonna to send this to our mailing list of people who have way too much time in their hands. And they're saying in the business, oh yeah, we'll, we'll reach 1,300 to 1,500 people. So what? A, a Compass has, I believe, 30, 28 to 33,000 employees and even more customers. And yet they're scared by a mob of 15, 1,300 to fifteen hundred people. How how cowardice of a company are, can that? That's disgusting. Meeting, or she would go public, in her words, about Compass not reigning in hate for transgender kids. Where did she say anything that was hateful during that speech? Let me know in the comments. Did you hear anything that was hateful or careerist about groups of people or uh, folks who are transitioning in their her speech to the school board? If anything, that was one of the most respectful speeches, a fair amount of decorum. She just articulated her points. She didn't yell, she didn't swear, she didn't disparage any groups, as far as I can tell. She even gave a deadline for her demands, and sure enough... Like a hostage. You need to fire this employee by this date, this date, you know, this date, or we're going to cancel you. Like clockwork, Compass informed me that I could no longer be associated with them, by her deadline date. So my entire business, everything Cowards. I had invested was gone, just like that. By strangers who have never met me and newspapers who never even contacted me before printing hateful lies, none of which are true. The people who wrote to the newspapers and to Compass intentionally interfered with my business. What they did is illegal. But because of anti-slap laws in California, I cannot protect myself or go after them for destroying my career, even though what they did is against the law. Ah, good old California. Great for business. Oh wait, no, it's not great for business. Great for people. Oh wait, no. It's good weather though, usually, except for the poop on the ground in San Francisco. But, aside from that. How can it be that in America, a mob who speaks at a school board meeting can be targeted and canceled, losing her livelihood? What does that say about our community? Now, again, she's in California. I would implore her to move towards somewhere like Florida or Texas, where they have much more of an understanding for their teachers, or more, more importantly, the parents. Now, obviously, not the whole state, and not every school district is perfect. Of course, there's going to be some outliers, but I can't imagine that happening in those other areas. I would hope not. I pray not. Do you believe in diversity and inclusion? Are you truly open to diversity of opinion no. and inclusion of all beliefs? That's one of the most disgusting things is the hypocrisy. 
So many of these, pe these people say, oh yeah, we want diversity, except for diversity of opinion or diversity of thought. Just look at any pun or any advertisement. Catholics, Christians, there's always, they're always the butt end of the joke. They're always excluded from the conversation. So that's why I'm always, I find it morally vacuous when people say, oh yeah, they want diversity, but they don't want to hear about your opinion or your experiences or your group. Why not treat everyone equal like our country was founded on? Hopefully we'll get back to that sometime soon. Or do you think people who disagree with you should be silenced? To the progressive Democrats of Benicia, whose website states their core principles are inclusion and tolerance. Ah, the irony. They're not tolerant of her or trying to protect her kids. That They found that intolerable. I challenge you to truly be inclusive and tolerant. Do you believe Benicia is a better place if everyone who disagrees with you is financially ruined and canceled? You've called me the most hateful things imaginable. And what? Have these? Oh, obviously they've never so many people have never seen real turmoil. They, they think she was, they actually think she was hateful, evil, and a threat. Go to Cuba. Go, go to Venezuela. These people have never experienced any hardships or any real experiences when it comes to those. It's mind-boggling how mentally vacuous as well some of these people are. Untrue. Why? Because I disagree with you? To the school board of Benicia, do you think parents who disagree sometimes should be canceled? Well, they probably do, and the FBI actually classified some parents as terrorists for having the audacity to go to a board and ask questions. I went from a vibrant, contributing member of your community to an outcast because I disagreed and spoke at a school board meeting. Is this the town you want? If concerned parents can be labeled as bigots and compared to Nazis in letters published in the local news... Also, one of the laziest analogies or comparisons ever, every single comparison always does that. Papers. What does that say about Benicia? Learn more at canceledinbenicia.com. Well, it tells me everything I need to know about that shitty, I mean city. I've never visited there. I've never, well, it's also, you know, all the way in California, and I, I, I like to keep what little income I make and reinvest it back in the company, not give it up to the state with the state income tax. But, yeah, I really, I hope she and her family go somewhere that's actually truly tolerant of actually to having tolerance of ideals and philosophies and somewhere that actually wants to protect the kids. Now, thankfully, this got a lot of support thanks to Elon and X.com or Twitter.com for now. I'm surprised they haven't changed the URL yet. They probably will soon. But, yeah, we had an issue where we had the Compass, the Compass uh, company, they actually did speak briefly on the TikTok, or not the TikTok, on the Twitter. And they said, this person was not an employee of Compass. She's an independent contractor who worked on an agent team. And the decision to disassociate her license was made at the request of her team's owner in April 2023. Now, that was immediately ratioed beyond all belief. So that comment by Compass, again, that was a response to this video, that one had 73,000 views, but only had 119 people like it, which considering they're, again, they're, an employee, they're a business with 20 to 30, I think it was 28 to 33,000 employees. That means not even your employees are following the company or liking what the company said, which should be pretty indicative in and of itself. Now, the response to that the Compass statement was from Libs of TikTok. And she said, the timing of the team owner's request must be totally coincidental. Just a few days after Janet's speech at the school board and after the Compass was pushed to fire her, 
can Janet rejoin Compass on another team? Lives to TikTok, TikTok, even though they got half the views at 38,700, they got 1,607 likes, also known as being ratioed and viscerally roasted, as the youth might say. Now, Elon Musk actually chimed in as well. He said, Compass, did you really fire this person for this reason? He got 17,600 likes and 571,000 views. So probably one of the biggest values of Elon is making, you know, not only just making the platform interesting, but he's pretty involved with all these conversations. And as of today, again, it's a very fluid situation. She might get rehired tomorrow, but I doubt it. But it seems like her career for that particular real estate company is over. So she lost everything for trying to protect her kids. How morally vacuous of a business do you have to be to ostracize and fire her? Disgusting. Needless to say, if I ever do have the privilege of someday having enough money to purchase a house, which I hope to someday, then I will not be using them as my source for my real estate agency or my purchasing needs. And hopefully she does find a better job at a company that does value protecting their children as well as free speech, which unfortunately becoming traits and values that are all too rare in the United States in 2023. But I always say time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Disney. Well, they're having an emergency meeting because they're uh, the Snow White actress. Yeah, she's, she's doing what she does best and making everything worse. Now, this particular actress, which, what was her name? Rachel Zegler is perhaps one of the best embodiments of the term insufferable. Everything she says, not only being hypocritical, which is all too common, you almost expect it these days from Hollywood, but it's almost, it's ridiculous. She hates the things she's representing. So this is becoming more viral in Disney. Apparently there's marketing execs, executives on Disney. You need to get a hold, you need to calm her down or hide her. You're gonna destroy this film even more than, you know, they've already lost over a billion dollars this year in all their failed movies. So let's, I'll play, this is a, the first video, she's on the red carpet, um, at least a few months back, but this is a good summary before we dive into the latest developments of, perhaps instead of a business blunder, we'll have a cultural blunder, something fancier than just saying the word canceled. I'll have to bust out the thesaurus this weekend, one of my favorite tools. So again, this is uh, Rachel Zegler, who's supposed to be, well, she is the new Snow White, though she's not white, and there are also no dwarves in this movie, there's one dwarf and seven, or no, six ambiguous folks. And again, there's not really going to be Prince Charming. But the name of the movie is still Snow White. I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. <laughs> oh, that, that is one of the most insufferable. Not, not only her, not only the words. Well, the words are insufferable as well, but her tone just oozes this insufferable. And of course, you don't want to see this because it's not pretty. Um, there is a big focus on her love story. Because that's what the, that's what the story's about. Like, jeez Louise. Um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. 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 So we didn't do that this time. Insufferable. <laughs> so no prince or a different kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because like. Oh, they're going to barbify this bitch. This, this movie was, the prince is going to be turned into a, a shell of a man. I guarantee it. Similar to the Barbie film, where Ken is just a moron or a misogynist, depending on what scene in the movie it is. It's never a good portrayal. Because that's what the kids need to learn, is that men and women are incompatible, and men are morons, and women strong. That, that'll help the kids in their education process. 
fantastic guy in the movie, right. Andrew Burnap, great dude. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess. It's also supposed to be about a, I believe it's a stepmom who's jealous of Snow White's looks, which is why she poisons her. In this rendition, the stepmom's, the uh, stepmother or whoever, she's actually, she's attractive. She's more, everyone online is saying how she's more attractive than Snow White. Therefore, kind of nulling the whole point of the movie where she, jealousy was the original, one of the themes of the movie. She was jealous of the other girl's looks, so she poisoned her. In this case, maybe that's going to be the, the plot twist. They have Snow White poison the queen. I, I don't know. This. Until 2024. Um, all of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. I mean, so they, no, they they might just cut out the prince altogether, which I wouldn't be surprised given that Disney has a track record of completely bastardizing the original film and the original morals and values. I know those words are completely foreign to Disney these days, it seems. These Disney creations, and again, I don't, I don't, I'm not the first person to say this or observe this, but it almost seems like everything that they make is a copy of a copy of a copy, which if you take a photocopy of a photocopy, each time you do that, you degrade the image. Perhaps one of the most accurate metaphors for modern Disney production. Because they're just, again, bastardizing the original classics, just hoping you remember the name of the film, and you will pay to see it. Ridiculous. Now, there's more and more of these videos that are currently trending of Rachel Ziegler, where it's showing how much more of a hypocrite than she already than you already may have thought she was. So I believe she's on Jim, Jimmy Kimmel. So perhaps the best combination of Two people are maybe two folks who are to, so insufferable. Perhaps they can combine into someone that's maybe it's like a double negative where you have two negatives that actually evens out to positive. Because you know Jimmy Kimmel, I think this is one of those talk show guys, also insufferable. Let's let's listen to that. I get stopped for photos every time I'm online for the Snow White ride, and it is the I have to pretend. It's called inline, not online. If you're in line for a ride, and I I know grammar these days is almost frowned upon. But if you can't even mention the proper vernacular where you are in the in the line for a ride, how, or maybe that's just above your intellect. I don't know. I maybe it is. I'm like, oh god, well oh, crazy that we're in front of this. Wait, how? Old? It's like I'm standing there waiting for the photo op, being like. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you kind of are, you know. No, I guess. It's like so. a Harrison Ford. That's why you're famous. Like, you know, how could you become an actress? and then complain that people want to get pictures with you. I, I, I would only suspect that's 38% of why they're becoming actresses. They want the attention. They want the pictures. Why would you brag about, why would you say you don't? <laughs> she seems happy. Is that your favorite ride? I mean, that's a weird thing that you are Snow White now. I mean, wow. it's one of the original... I'm a really big Disney fan. I grew up at the Disney parks. My parents took me... Up. She's a really big Disney fan, but she just hates all the original works. What? Every summer. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. so it, it's like... It is. It's a part of my upbringing. It's my favorite thing, so... It, it's just one of those things yeah, that comes don't, with the Yeah, don't... if you love it, don't let them scare you. I was scared of the original cartoon. I think what? I watched it once, and then I never picked it up again. <laughs> like, I'm being so serious. I watched it once, and then I went on... This is another interview on the TikTok that's going viral. And the ride in Disney World, which was called Snow White Scary Adventures, doesn't sound like something a little kid would like, was terrified of it, 
never revisited Snow White again. What? So I watched it for the first time in probably 16, 17 years when I was doing this film. I'm a narcissist. <laughs> At least there's a little truth in that last uh, excerpt from the, the Jimmy Kimmel interview. But as if that's not insufferable enough, now she's complaining about being famous? So this is, again, something that is, this is thanks to a PDXFATO on the Twitter, also known as John Ford. And this is where, now she's saying she hates the character. And this got 11 and a half, or sorry, 11.7 million impressions on Twitter and 9,906 likes. Now that, granted, these, you know, as, you know, these numbers change throughout time, but that's as of right now. Video is going to get taken out of context and I know that at this point I can't really stop people from doing that because that's what my whole existence on the internet is it's just me being taken out of context and stuff uh which is fine that's what I signed up for isn't it um but I never wanted to come off as me being ungrateful for the opportunities I have when I say that this has been the biggest adjustment of my life like understanding the way my life operates now being who I am and the things that I've been so fortunate to make it comes with so much ground, so much ground that I never thought I would be able to cover and that people think I'm doing poorly and other people think I'm doing gracefully and I don't think I'm doing it at all. <laughs> doing what? Being insufferable? She's definitely doing that. She's not stopping. So when I tell you... Is she crying? ...that it's hard... What's hard? I just mean to be inside my brain. <laughs> she has a brain? Fact check that, Snopes. Let me know in the comment section what they say. Let me actually, does she have a brain? Let me Google that, or brave that, because that's a better browser. Does Rachel Z-E-I-Gler have a brain? Brain, why can't I spell? Hmm. No, I'm getting a lot of research results, but they're not pertinent to that question. I would have thought by now Snopes would have that right off the bat. But let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's say there's a, uh, there's a couple of brain cells there. That's hard. And I'm there 24-7. I can't, I can't get out of it. And, and I, I don't know if that will make sense, but that's where I'm at. I'm so grateful for the things that I'm able to do. And a Are lot you? of what I'm able to do is because of you guys. But you hate. And I'm so unbelievably thankful for that. At the end of the day... I look at this trip and think if somewhere like that can exist and so can my tiny pink bedroom from New Jersey, I can also be having the greatest time and simultaneously wishing people would stop sending me death threats. And maybe that's a weird takeaway for this video. Well, no one should be sending you death threats. I don't think you're, oh, her performance is poor, but it's not, it's not meriting a death threat. Though it is interesting when a lot of these celebrities say this, you never, they never show the receipts, like they never show the evidence. This is evidence. Let's go prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Because obviously that's not appropriate conduct. This is a life. This is real. What? It's filled with a lot of beautiful moments and beautiful people. I have a loving family, an incredible boyfriend that I love so much. God. Beautiful friends and family. I, I feel bad for that guy. I can't, I can't imagine dealing with that drama. And, oh, it's so insufferable. That... I wonder if he's just a dying inside or depressed. I I don't know. People that I miss. It's a it's a privilege to miss people the way that I do. But it's what? hard. And it's lonely. It's very <laughs> lonely. I just know that if that 
Loneliness can exist, so can other things, and I will be okay. Maybe that's a weird takeaway. Regardless, um, this is not supposed to be anything other than... What? Yeah, and all the comments are hilariously, viscerally, yeah. And like, a lot of the comments are saying, like, you know, this is John Forty saying, I just like her because she spews feminist ideology at young girls. A lot of them are saying actress, just trying to capitalize, inauthentic, she's being manipulative, they know what they're doing. I've yet to see anyone in the comment section have a positive response. Oh, yeah, here's a good one. Oh, God, another Meghan Merkel. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Actually, oh, that got 762 likes and 22,000 views. So... You have all these videos coming out where she's saying she hates Snow White. She The original content was crap. We're going to make it without the prince, basically. And without any morals or values. Now, Disney, they're... I was about to say they're not dumb. They're, they're, they're not smart. But I think they realize this isn't going to help with the box office sales if they get any box office sales at all. Now, Barbie, you can say what you want in terms of being mentally vacuous and just being extremely one-sided sexist against men, which is modern society deems okay. But Barbie, the marketing team, was brilliant in terms of they didn't tell you the substance of the movie. In all the advertising campaigns when it comes to Barbie, none of it was shown. They showed you the highlight reel where all they showed was, hey, here's Barbie, it movie about doll, laugh out loud. And a lot of people and I'd say mentally vacuous mothers took their children to go see that PG-13 rated film, which, had, again, was morally vacuous, mentally vacuous, had masturbation jokes. Nothing appropriate for young children, but more like parents took their children there anyway. Which is reason 9,995 to not let your kids see any content before you preview it. It's one of those things where I used to think my parents were not cool as a kid because they would reference some websites, um, particularly um, Christian websites, where they would reveal films and they would tell you, here's the things we think are controversial, here's the reasons we think this may or may not be child appropriate, here's why it's rated PG-13, here's why it's rated PG. Now, I thank God they did that because there are such things as things that are and are not child appropriate. So I think Disney, they're having these emergency meetings and marketing companies are warning them, hey, if you don't shut her up or get her to change her attitude, you're going to lose money on this film. Now, granted, they lose money on every film recently, so it won't be a surprise if they do again. But again, if this film must have a chance of breaking even, they need to silence her because she's insulting the original film. She's changing the story, which, again, depending on what interview you watch, sometimes she's actually proud saying she's a part of the writing process. So they need to do some damage control, well, eight days a week at Disney nowadays, but let me know in the comments, do you think, how, how could she make the situation worse? Because it's almost as if every day goes by, she says something else to piss people off in the middle, and then more uh, traditionally they're conservative. Which, again, conservatives buy movies, or they go to, they pay for movies too is when you're making a film that's supposed to be for all folks, it's not a great idea to alienate some based on their political ideology or just the ideology of having brain cells. But we'll see what goes from here. Disney, um, they haven't been able to pull up from this nosedive yet, but it'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Walmart crushing Target. Now, Pascal must be has some controversy with Target because they decided to carry some C-Tank materials and to be clear, I don't mean that bombastically or, or you know, trying to be overly metaphorical. I mean, literally, they had a keychain with Satan on it, 
And it said Satan prefer Satan respects pronouns. They also subsequently had trans swimsuits. So swimsuits that were made for biological men who identify as women. And they had LGBT, they had pride gear for children. And when you look at historically, every year Target had had pride stuff. That's not, in my opinion, that's not the controversy around the boycott. The difference between that, the several years before and now is that they started to involve children. And I think a lot of people, not just conservatives, were concerned about that. So there's a big boycott against Target during Pride Month. Their stock went down by $9 billion. Not, not $9 million, $9 billion in one week. That's unprecedentedly bad. Perhaps only subsequently worse than Bud Light, which they're, yeah, they're not doing great as well when they made a decision to get involved with politics and brand ambassadors whose average age is a child. So they're not doing so great. And on the contrast, you have Walmart, where they're not playing the political game as much. They do have um, both religious materials in terms of they do have Bibles and biblical materials for children in their stores, but they also have pride stuff for adults. So I think that's a big difference. Walmart caters more towards both sides of the political aisle, and they also don't target kids and target targeted kids, which is as verbally clumsy as it is morally clumsy, just all those, all those words in a row. Now, in contrast to the performance of Target doing terrible, again, having the first, they lost, their sales went down for the first time in six years for the fiscal quarter two, which took place during Pride Month. Fascinatingly enough, LinkedIn didn't cover this. LinkedIn had an article where they, and again, I'm, you know, I'm a business owner, I'm, I'm a sales, I go on LinkedIn quite frequently and I get some of the news from there. They covered the story about, you know, why Walmart being Target, none of the articles mentioned the boycott. None of them mentioned that Walmart, Target just happened to have their sales go down for the first time in six years during the Pride Month boycott. You can't, single variable analysis is not always gonna be accurate. There's a lot of variables that go into these things, but to ignore a variable completely, that's inauthentic and just obfuscates the truth, in my opinion. Now, again, you have Target bleeding money, they're not doing good. Walmart, on the other hand, their income, their net income rose 33%. Now, it looks like they're also jumping by, that's for the physical stores, online shopping was up by 24%, which is key when you look at how these businesses are evolving. Walmart previously bought Jet.com a couple of years back so they could bolster their e-commerce online. Jet.com was more of a startup trying to compete with Amazon. And Walmart bought them, they integrated that into their website, and they're slowly starting to compete with Amazon. I've purchased one or two things off the site, and anecdotally, from my experience, I had one product where it was a def it was a third party on the site that was selling it, similar to Amazon, and it didn't work. So I sent it back, and they did refund me immediately. So that wasn't necessarily their fault, but they made the right they made it right quickly. So I appreciated that. Another thing I bought on there was my IT company was having hosting an outdoors event. We wanted to get some panels for a tent, so fabric panels you basically clip onto the side of a pop up tent, and those got delivered. I believe it was in forty eight hours, and of course they were all in well shape. And that was. That was Walmart Direct, so it was Walmart selling on walmart.com. So their capabilities are growing pretty well. They're also a little bit more on the grocery side when compared to Target. And Target, well, everything in Target is not necessary. It's not a necessity. But Target has a lot of things like electronics. They got clothes, more clothing than uh, Walmart. Whereas Walmart has more groceries. So that's why, that's why some of the analysts are saying that's why Walmart's growing because people are buying more staples. And also... I mean, a bag of carrots from Target and a bag of carrots at Walmart. I mean, why not just get the one at Walmart? They're both organic carrots if you have the budget for the organic stuff. 
it's just a different plastic bag. So I would argue the better ROI is to go to Walmart. Now, it looks like the store visits, you got the online traffic, they're both going up. And Walmart's CFO, they did say that they saw a modest improvement in the sales of discretionary items as well. So those discretionary items being the things that are more tangible, that aren't disposable. So not like food or toothpaste, more things like electronics. So interestingly enough, Target's losing money on both those categories in terms of you know discretionary versus non-discretionary. Walmart's actually having a little bit of an increase in the item that Target is struggling the most in. Perhaps because TVs and those things are also cheaper at Walmart, I would guess on average. I always tell, tell people growing up, Target is just like Walmart for rich folks or people too much money. So it'll be interesting to see, but culturally speaking, Walmart's been pretty darn smart because they're being more apolitical. And I think culturally speaking, there's a lot of people who just want to be left alone. They just want to buy a drink. They just want to go get the groceries. They don't want to have to make a political statement when they pick up a Bud Light. They also don't want to have their taste buds viscerally destroyed by drinking that as well. But that's aside the main point. I think culturally speaking, we're going to see more and more companies who are more apolitical. I think they're going to start growing more and more because people are just tired of having to take it to take a side when they're coming up against these cultural issues let me in the comments do you think that's going to be think walmart just keep accelerating their growth rate and target will go down or will target be able to pull up from that nosedive it'd be interesting to see but you know me as i always say time shall tell now going on to the political part of the podcast you have vivek ramaswamy beating ron DeSantis in the polls and trump is cheering him on now Trump is cheering in regard to his recent specific poll about the Republican primary. So these are polls where you're asking Republicans, as well as some independents, who do you want to represent the Republican Party? Who do you want to be the nominee for the next president of the United States to go compete, presumably go debate? Well, I don't know if they'll debate this time because they're both, well, mental states, something to be questioned. But who are you going to send out for the Americans to vote on? So you have this poll coming in. Trump is at 60%. Uh, again, this is a primary poll. You also have Vivek at 13%, and Ron DeSantis is down at 8%. Now, Trump actually uses He Truths, which is the, I believe he's a, he's a partial owner. It's a social media company, which a lot of his followers and, and fans are a part of as well. It's called Truth Social. And on that app, He Truth, which is the word they use instead of tweeting, he said, and again, I apologize if this hurts anyone's ears, but it's a little fun, so we'll try it out. I, I forgot my, 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 I should get a wig, but we'll do what we, what we have right now. He said, quote, It's over, Ron DeSantis. Now in third place, Ron in second. I'm in research. Trump also said, Go home to Florida, Ron, and work on the insurance costs. Second highest, the highest in the nation, unquote. Yeah, I'm sorry. That probably hurt many people in the audience's ears, but it was worth the attempt. Some might say. Now, it is interesting to see DeSantis just continuing to crash in the polls, which he started off pretty promising. In terms of his success as a governor, his political success, he had a pretty good track record. He, the first time he won governor of Florida, he won by less than 1%, which is razor thin in politics. He went on, the next time he was re running for re-election, he won by around 20%. That type of margin of victory is unprecedented. The Republican Party can learn a thing from, or two from him, at least back then. Because it seems just, I don't know if he changed advisors or his team, but he had a lackluster announcement. So he went on, at the time, it was so-called Twitter, and he verbally announced he was running in a room, or you know, the virtual room on Twitter. I think they called it Twitter Spaces, now X Spaces or something like that, which was pretty lackluster because, again, a majority of communication is body language. Going on a radio show or a glorified radio show to announce 
And again, everyone is speculating that he's going to announce it already. So it was so lackluster that he all, he lost, I think he lost a lot of support then. And then he also proceeded to make a campaign, or rather someone on his team made a tweet, and they also had a campaign note where they used AI to do a deep fake of Trump. So they actually had Trump hugging the um, Dr. Fauci, and he said on the screen, real Trump. But they lied. They used deep fakes and AI to make that. So he lost, I believe he lost a lot of support then because you're obviously losing your authenticity. And again, this was like him tweeting directly to Sanchez, but a lot of people saying if he was more of an upright candidate or more in, had more integrity, he, he would have immediately said to his campaign, hey, or released a statement saying, hey, I didn't approve this. I don't agree with these deep fakes. We need to get them out of politics. There's no, there's no upside to them. It's just for the obfuscating the truth and confusing, you're confusing voters. But he did nothing. So again, he's either disconnected, so he doesn't know, which is an issue, or he knows and he doesn't care. Neither of those outcomes are a positive thing. Now, Vivek, I think he, has, he is increasing his favorability, and I greatly appreciate his background. He's an entrepreneur. He built up a very successful pharmaceutical company. His family is uh, from India, so he has uh, some international travels and experiences. Quite literally achieving the American dream and building a business from the ground up. That's awesome. He's also very articulate with all of his ideals. And more importantly, he gives you examples of exactly how he will achieve his goals, which in politics is unprecedented. Usually you'll just have some cliche bureaucrat left and right, or they just go on the screen and go, we need to get Americans back to work. And the idiots in the audience go, yay. Went, okay, that's great. But how will you actually do that? Now, Vivek has very articulately said when asked, well, you say you want to, you know, gut, you know, drain the swamp. You want to get rid of the bureaucrats and the lifetime career politicians. You want to get rid of that. You want to trim the fat from the federal budget. We agree. How do you do that? And he will sit down. He will actually articulate. As a president, here are the executive powers you have. Here are the levers I'm going to pull. Here are the mechanisms I will use to achieve those outcomes. I've yet to see any other presidential candidate, left or right, center, have that type of articulate vernacular to get their stuff done and communicate it more importantly to the voters. So that's why I particularly think he's going to have an increase in the polls. Also smart of him, he's not insulting Trump. And I say that because the people who, you're going to, whoever's a Republican nominee, they're going to need the Trump supporters. And there are some Trump supporters who, they are only Trump. They'll never vote for anyone else. A lot of people who are independent voted for Trump. A lot of people who are uh, in the right as well, obviously. But there are some people who are fans of Trump, but Trump doesn't get the nominee either because he's, again, he's fighting a multi-tiered front where he has to be in court physically and physically speaking that's being hurt as well because he has to spend money to put out those fires whether or not they're legitimate charges or not he has to spend resources to fight them so if he doesn't get the nominee you're gonna need those voters so vivek has not insulted trump and a lot of them they identify with trump by insulting trump you're de facto insulting them i think vivek he understands this so he's not insulting trump and he is defending trump where it makes sense i believe now this is also very, I think it will help him out as well. And he also is almost like, he has a lot of similarity to Trump. They both built businesses. One, you can debate their articulate, how well they articulate their ideals, but there's a lot of parallels. Now, given, again, he's all, you know, 13% is not great. He's not beating Trump at the polls right now. I would venture to bet though, it might be a good v argument for a VP. I think Trump, really needs someone who could help level him out. Like any good relationship from business or personal, there's a lot of benefit to have someone who balances you. Whether you have different approaches to solving a problem or different 
perhaps communication skills. Now, I actually need to check this really quick. My detriment would be, where is Vivek headquartered? So where's Vivek, or what state is he from? Vivek Swami. Uh, perfect. Okay, so he's from, looks like he's from Ohio. Perfect. So he's also raised in Ohio. It looks like he may still have residency, hopefully. Now, I say that because politically speaking on the chessboard, you never have a, and this is as far as I can tell, you never have a president and a vice president from the same state. Because it doesn't make sense because you really want to have local support. So that's why when Trump was first running back in 2016, or um, subsequently before he became president, he chose Mike Pence because Pence was from a purple state of Indiana, where I believe they've gone back and forth a couple times voting for Republicans and Democrats. Having a VP in another state, that makes a lot more sense because then presumably you can garner support from that area and win two states. The one for the, the one where the president is from or the wannabe president nominee, as well as the VP, which again is another reason why there's no reason for Trump to team up with DeSantis. Not only are they insulting each other, which again isn't good because you're going to insult some of the voters who identify with them, but they're also both from Florida. I know Trump, you know, he's a, he's a New Yorker as well, but he famously has his resort in Mar-a-Lago, and that's where most of his residency is. Tactically speaking, it doesn't make sense to have two people from Florida going for the VP and the and the president. Tactically speaking, it would be a poor move on the political chessboard, so to say. So it's interesting that Trump is praising Vivek. I think Vivek is doing a, a brilliant job, and I think he'd be a great contender for a VP. Politically speaking, I think that'd be a great way for Trump to have someone who's very articulate with the public, who is very, he can he smooth the edges around a tough message, perhaps. So I think that might be beneficial to Trump politically speaking. It'll be interesting to see what, what decisions they make, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other political news, you have Green Jean Pierre exposed for tweeting for Biden, which is one of those things where mm, I think a lot of people I don't think anyone really believes Biden is tweeting on his own at this point with his capacities. I think Kareem Jean-Pierre, who's the White House press secretary, which is not an easy job. You left or right, whoever has that job, your whole job is to basically smooth around the messages and unfortunately sometimes lie to the public around what the president's ideals and what they're actually doing. And she's been lambasted and roasted because she doesn't answer any questions. It's, it's a very political job. And she's famously for saying her and then the predecessor, we'll, we'll circle back to that. But there's only one or two people that actually ask her hard questions. So overall, I'd say she has a pretty damn easy job. Now, it looks like she was tweeting, and she tweeted from her personal account, I am investing in America means investing in all of America. When I ran for president, I made a promise that I'd leave no part of the country behind, unquote. You might, you might realize she didn't run for president. No, of course not. She, she was supposed to be impersonating President Biden. But of course she was. Now, of course, to prove this guilt, she deleted that tweet. Now, interesting thing about the internet is it's always permanent. There's always someone or some machine recording everything that's done on there. They can back it up. So I don't think anyone's surprised by this. Will this hurt Biden's poll numbers? I, I doubt it. The people who love, very similar to Trump, the people who love him, love him. The people who don't like him, don't like him. It'll be interesting, it'll be interesting to see with the upcoming election, does he lose any support? I'm fascinated when I actually join Facebook groups. I look at different, I look at groups where people who love them and hate them and I'll go to these groups and the people who love them, they'll applaud them. They'll actually mention like why they like them. They'll mention the economy, which I, well, personally, I don't see this economy being great, but that's just my three cents and logic. But it's fascinating to see 
I implore people join those Facebook groups and join those groups, see what they're thinking. You know, what kind of, what are deals are they pointing out? And I think you'll gain a more rounded opinion. And it also helps to know, you know, what are the other people thinking around here? And it's, it's fascinating to see, I don't think it's going to hurt his support in terms of the people who like him. They, I think they know he's not doing a lot of communication on his own. So oddly enough, it, this, any other president, this would be a huge controversy. But I mean, nowadays in terms of the political polarization, it almost seems to be that people who love their politicians love them. And there's very few things you can do to actually dissuade them or change their opinion, both left and right. Probably concerning. I don't think, no matter who's in the office, I don't think you should blindly worship him. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation, I, I got to make it three cents. But it is still free to click that subscribe button and try and get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of the month. Greatly appreciate if you'd help us out doing that. Now, other interesting political news, you have the European Union attempting to change laws to get the kids off the social media, which is probably a prudent idea because there's no positive outcome to having kids on the social media, yet alone on the internet, yet alone social media. I've yet here in our kind of like a cell phone for a kid, or I should clarify a smartphone, I guess. There's no legitimate reason for them to have it. The amount of negative downside to that is so large and the upside is so infinitesimally small. I don't think there's a legitimate reason to ever get a kid a smartphone, but that's just my three cents. Now, in terms of the other countries that have similar approaches are actually putting laws in place to try to protect kids. You have China wanting to limit the screen time to 40 minutes to children under the age of eight, which there's zero reason for under age eight. Why do they need that? Not only the cost, but like, as you say, the fiscal cost, but the cost of their brain. Again, we're just now starting to see the long-term effects of kids who are raised on social media because Relative to how long we had these, you know, been studying the evolution of kids, interacting with toys, we're only just now starting to see the effects of it, and none of them are good. There's not not a lot of upsides to it. So China wants to limit it to 40 minutes under eight, which again it should be zero. Play with building blocks or Legos or go outside and play with a stick. Protect it's like ridiculous. Now, it looks like the U.S. state of Utah has imposed a digital curfew for minors and parental consent to use social media. You have France, they have targeted manufacturers and saying that they require them to install a parental control system that can be activated when their device is turned on. So some interesting ideas. Now the European Union has its own plans and they're taking bold steps in what they're calling the Digital Services Act, the DSA. Acronyms are cool, they make it sound smart. Never forget, FYI, for your information. Now they're saying they're gonna have those out by the end of the month, so you know, getting closer. And they claim it will be the biggest, it'll force the largest online platforms, being the TikTok, you, Facebook, the YouTube. They want, to, they want to open their systems to the scrutiny by the European Commission and prove that they're doing their best to ensure their products are not harming kids. That's a big ask. And I say that because that's worse than asking Coca-Cola, what's their secret ingredient? Now, you'll see the ingredients when you go to the store and buy, their high, buy the can of high fructose corn syrup in a can. But that's not telling you the quantity of those ingredients or the other special proprietary things they put in there. If you want to ask a social media company their algorithm, that's the most, that's their secret sauce. And of course, they target people based on demographics. That's well known. So the only way they could prove they're not targeting kids would be to open that up. But they don't want to have that on the record and they don't want them to know. And also, it's disadvantageous because they make money targeting kids. So, I mean, TikTok especially, the last study I saw 
they said that the largest age demographic that use TikTok are 19 years of age and under, I believe. That was 25% of all TikTok users. That's the biggest percentage was that age gap or age group. Which again, there's no legitimate reason for a kid to be on the TikTok, especially because the United States, all it does is men glorify mental illness and other unhealthy things. Interestingly enough, in other countries like China, it actually teaches their kids that STEM fields are cool. It teaches them to be patriotic. That should scare the crap. That should be that alone should make Americans smart enough to realize this is a tool against us, not for us. But I know people are busy. They don't have the nuance to actually research things, and they just say, "Oh yeah, Timmy, you can download whatever you want." Ridiculous. Now, also interesting, the proposed penalty for the companies who want to have the, their apps used in the European Union: a hefty fine of six percent of the company's global avenue, uh, annual revenue. Not profit. That's insanely high. Now, granted, tech companies are usually highly profitable for social media, but going back to the Subway analogy, where Subway is one of the worst franchises right now because the store average, the average sales of the store per year, is about half a million dollars. That's revenue. Your cost could be 95% because you have to factor in, the, like Subway, the cost of the sugar to put into the bread because legally it's basically sugar bread. You have all the meats, you have all the lettuce, you have all the fixings. You also have not only just the rent for the actual store, but you also have heating, cooling, electricity, internet. There's a lot of costs that go into that. It's, the revenue is a huge delta from the profit. So depending on what these companies' profit margins are, that could decimate them. So I guarantee, of course, it's going to play out in the court system for quite some time because these companies are not going to take this line down. They're going to fight this tooth and nail because it's going to be detrimental to their business. The European Union is also very, it's a very large market. So there is a legitimate reason for them to want every intention to have their product over there. Now, let me know in the comments, do you think they'll acquiesce and actually they'll give in to these demands? Or more likely, do you think, oh, maybe they just have their uh, have the people use VPN. Maybe just a secret backway tunnel the apps. Or they'll just get tied up the court system, grease some hands or something like that. It'll be interesting to see what the tech companies do, but we shall see. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford. Yeah, the CEO, uh, he admits uh, he has a little uh, reality check with the F-150 Lightning. Now, this is in regard to a couple of gentlemen who actually wanted to do a road trip with an EV, which is the dumbest thing you do because, again, with the current technology we have right now for a road trip, EVs are the dumbest thing you do because they take forever to recharge, relatively speaking. I can travel halfway across the country and stop less than 10 minutes because I time myself I'm also a bit of a gearhead, but I can go to a gas station, put the gas pump in the car, go inside, go to the bathroom, come out. It'll be, the tank will be filled up in less than three minutes. Now, for reference, I have a little Honda Civic Si, so the tank isn't that big. I believe it's about 12.8 gallons or something like that. But I only have to stop twice to travel about 800 miles. And that, again, that stop time is less than 10 minutes total. With an EV, with the current technology we have today, even with the supercharger, it's not as fast. Also, he's in a truck, which they're not, this shouldn't be a newsflash, but they're not very aerodynamic or fuel efficient, or in this case, EV efficient. Now, this is a tweet from the CEO, in which he said, again, uh, Jim Farley, again, he said, quote, no surprise charging can be a challenge, but still learning, to, still learning a lot, seeing firsthand the issues our customers face. This is why we are working with Tesla to provide Ford drivers with access to 12,000 superchargers, and our EV certified dealers are installing fast chargers at the dealerships will help us improve the EV experience for our customers, unquote. 
Now, for the record, I believe there's actually 17,000 EV chargers for the Tesla charging stations. So it's actually better than what you're saying, but it's one of those issues where for road trips, unless you have the new technology, which I guess you have Toyota as well as there's a Chinese battery manufacturer who do claim they have the breakthrough technology that allow you to recharge in mere minutes, not, you know, half hour, an hour, or two hours, five hours, whatever. So that, again, the tech could be mass adoption right around the corner. That's why I have to have a caveat with this because technology does move pretty quick. But again, right now, that's kind of the bottleneck of the technology. And it's even more pitiful when you try to tow things with a truck. Again, the range goes down to basically a pitiful amount, which again, they'll have to fix somehow. It'll be interesting to see what's, what's it actually, again, I know not everyone tows with a truck, but it'll be interesting to see how much of a success the F-150 Lightning is, as well as the upcoming Cybertruck, which is finally start to actually sell after years of development and hype. But let me know in the comments, would you ever buy an EV truck? I guess there's also a caveat, would you ever use an EV truck for towing or a road trip? Let me know in the comments, I'd love to what you have to say. Well, as I always say, time shall tell. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Trying to get again to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August, so you can click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to take the time to like and comment. Those things also really help with the algorithm to get the video shared. I also appreciate your feedback. It helps make the channel better and better. Helps improve the technologies, whether I'm putting the prompters on my monitors in front so I could keep eye contact a little bit better, or it's whether me being a little bit more bombastic with my hand gestures and my voice, and even working to try to slow down my voice, which again is something I'm always trying to work on more and more. All the feedback is greatly appreciated. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe and fight the good fight.